Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. We are two happy, happy campers. It is game week. It is game week, y'all. We are here. We have made it. SEC play kicks off this Thursday. Texas A&M and Northwestern State. It's going to be awesome. But Northwestern State is a fantastic school. That it is. We will not deny that. We're not looking ahead on the schedule at all. It's you know that's the first game of the year. That's what we're focused on right now. Northwestern State is one of the best schools inside of a strip mall next to a Quiznos. That's that's everything I know in my notes right now. We will have plenty to talk about uh, for Saturday action and Sunday action in the SEC. Uh, shout out to Miami and LSU. We've got all this starting quarterback news to get to today with the all this information that just came out uh, shortly before we started recording this. But before we get to all that. Got to talk about our friends at Ticket City. Chris, I've got a very important question for you, and I'm not sure if you're going to – I don't think you're going to know the answer to this. Connor, you, you have the answers written in the notes. <laughs> no peel behind the onion. No peel behind the onion. Okay, go. I'll close my eyes. Go ahead. What do you think is the most expensive average ticket price in college football for opening weekend? $200. No, I wasn't asking you the, uh, the dollar amount. I was asking you which game. So this is, I actually don't know because I can't read your notes on this one. Yeah, that's that's how I draw it up. <laughs> Michigan and Notre Dame in South Bend. Average ticket sense. price, $501. That's a lot of tithing, Catholics. That's a lot of tithing. Dang, tell me about it. Uh, we've got really expensive tickets for opening weekend. $501 is, is the is the average ticket price for that game. And then Miami LSU average ticket price is $247. That's at Jerry World. Tennessee and West Virginia, $195 that game being played in Charlotte, as we like to say. <laughs> uh, we've got Auburn and Washington at $121. Texas Tech and Ole Miss is $97. That game is going to be scored, or that game is going to have like a billion points in it in Houston. It's going to be awesome. Um, but SES is excited to partner again with Ticket City for all their ticket needs. Our relationship with them goes back several years. They are still a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets for college football games couldn't be easier when using Ticket City, and they have the best prices. Use promo code CMBF10. That's CMBF10, like Chris Marler Boyfriend 10, to get 10% off tickets now. Is that, that was the best way to say that, I right? I mean, I don't think it, it, when you said it, it wasn't. It was if my girlfriend said it, yeah, it makes more sense. Right, good point. Ticket City is awesome, though. That's who I used for that Bama-Auburn basketball game, and even though I didn't like the outcome, the, the tickets itself, fantastic. It's a good way to do it. Good reminder to all of our all of our listeners to get over to Ticket City, uh, whether it's for this Saturday or for any time this college football season. Get your tickets now on Ticket City. Maybe you are going to be seeing one of these starting quarterbacks opening weekend of college football season Holy cow, we had, it was like the Armageddon of starting quarterback announcements was, Monday at lunchtime. It was awesome, and we finally, like, usually we joke around about how right after the podcast ends, all this news breaks. And for the first time, it seems like in, I don't know, a very long time, if, if the first time ever, it happened right before we got on. It was really amazing to see all these come one after one. It was like every five minutes we got a new, we got an update on, on a starting quarterback situ- starting quarterback situation. So here are the ones that we got as of the time of we're recording this podcast. Florida, Felipe Franks. Kentucky, Terry Wilson. Arkansas, Cole Kelly. And we have Texas A&M reportedly going with Kellen Mond to start the season opener. 
And we're just probably going to assume that Joe Burrow is going to eventually be announced as starting quarterback because they've, they've Durant- announced it at LSU at this point. We just haven't been able to decipher any of like the the <laughs> the subtitles of what Coach O said. So we're, we got some guys working on that. He announced something earlier. It sounded like a bunch of grunted vowels. Um, we will decipher that in a little while. Yeah, so let's start with Florida first because uh, my bold prediction, my non-Mississippi <laughs> State bold prediction of the offseason is already going to be wrong because it is Felipe Franks who will be starting for the Gators and not Kyle Trask. So <laughs> Very first bold prediction. <laughs> oh, not a good look. one. Not a good look, yeah. So we have Felipe Franks. Um, put in as the, the week one starter for the Gators. And Dan Mullen talked about having this, this ability to uh, make, make plays outside of the pocket. We know that Felipe Franks does have some mobility. Uh, whether or not it was used in the best way possible under Jim McElwain, well, I think right. we can all agree that it wasn't. But that is why he ultimately decided to go with Felipe Franks on top of his ability to stretch the field vertically. A lot of Florida fans, I bet, though, saw this and were like, oh, my gosh, reality. Here we go again. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of who I figured would start in this offense. I mean, he's he's an underrated athlete, I would say. He's got a really strong arm, a really strong arm. And I, I think this is probably their best move. And with what, if you're going to use experience going into it, I mean, it was either just wipe the slate clean or go with the guy that got you those four wins last year. <laughs> And he said, though, that he did say that experience didn't play any part in this, and it wasn't a situation where they're like, oh, you played X amount of games last year, and this is why we're going with you, because Dan Mullen didn't coach Felipe Frank. Also probably want to forget about last year, so I actually take back everything I said. Yeah, definitely. Last year, Florida fans are already pretending that didn't happen. Some of the people who are making preseason predictions for the Gators are pretending last season didn't happen. for real. But, yeah, the learning curve is still steep. I am not a Felipe Franks believer, and I, wow. I credit the kid for being able to respond to a very tough situation last year and trying to deal with all of the criticism that comes with not being a successful starting quarterback at Florida. I think that that, that, that microscope is, um, is always on you, and it's really tough to deal with, and I, I credit him for that. I question if the skill set is there. I really do. And I, I question if he's going to be able to make it complete enough passes, quite simply, to be oh, able to keep his job for an entire season. Is that, a, is that so hard? Let to me break that? it down. That was, you just, every, yeah, that was good. That was good analysis. I like that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that he can't develop under Dan Mullen because I definitely right. think he could. And I know Florida fans are going to hate on me for this. But it's going to take a while to get that image of 2017 out of my brain because I know yeah. I know that th- there are very, very few Florida fans who saw that news and were like, yes, this is, right. this is amazing. Yeah, that was not a celebration just out of games. We were like, and you could hear the cheers, the victorious rally cries for Philippe. No, that is not what happened. That no. is not what happened. This is going to be a tough situation. Fortunately for the Gators, though, the schedule does start off extremely favorably. They could very realistically get through September, maybe you know, maybe 4-0 or, or something like that. And, you know, pretty soon we're talking about an undefeated Florida quarterback, which we, of course, oh, weren't God. last year. So I, I, I'm curious as to how this, this dynamic with Franks develops, if he's going to be in a situation like he was last year where he's one bad half and he can get pulled all of a sudden. Right. But I don't know, and that's I, I tend to think that Mullen's not going to do that. But what his leash will look like is going to be something that uh, we're going to be monitoring well past week one. Yeah, agreed. So Florida names a starting quarterback. So does Kentucky. And Kentucky was tough to predict. This one um, disappointed me a lot. Why did that disappoint based you? off the name. What? Wait, whoa, whoa. What okay. if I told you this? 
Before you say anything about Terry Wilson, what if I told you that he was in Last Chance U season three? Don't care. His name's Terry Wilson. He sounds like every uncle that I've ever had to meet at like, I don't know, a family barbecue. Uncle Terry Wilson sounds like the guy that played like mixed doubles with your crazy aunt or something like that when your mom played tennis growing up. I don't, my mom played tennis growing up. I mean, Gunner Hoke. That should be the starting quarterback. Gunner Hoke. Yeah, that's an all world quarterback name. Yes, yes. Last year, Brogan Roback from Eastern Michigan, who's that's the greatest name ever. Uh, not to mention he looked a lot like Drago or Gary Busey's son. Regardless, Hard Knocks. He's starring yeah. Hard Knocks right now. That's yeah, right. Um, but Terry Wilson, yeah, I'm just not. I'm not down for that name. It's hard to get behind that. It sounds like something from the '70s. <laughs> Ter- Terry Wilson is uh, going to have a chance to hopefully be the uh, the difference maker that they need at that position. Just because we talk a lot about Benny Snell and what we think he can yeah. do this year. Just somebody who can stretch the field vertically and present, prevent teams from loading the box against Benny Snell. We know Safe that Terry play, Wilson probably shows up to practice in a Pontiac Bonneville. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Terry, Terry Wilson. He's 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 a good he's a good guy. Good guy. Let's just call. I, I'm not I'm not big on on like the whole on on calling him by his whole name the whole time. Can we just call him Wilson and just I'm, yell it <laughs> just, every he's time? Just peeking over, just peeking over the. Uh, what do you call it? The fence, like in Home Improvement? No, I'm going to call him Terry Wilson. I'm going to call him Uncle Terry Wilson. So my dad was Uncle Terry to my cousins. There you go. Yeah, so I've, I've heard Uncle Terry quite frequently, and I'll always think of my dad hearing that. Fair so enough. if you call him that, it'll be a little bit different for me, but I, I can get used to it eventually. Okay, I'll just call him Terry Wilson. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, he's never played an FBS nap, but he did come from Oregon, uh, someone who had some big-time in- interest coming out of JUCO uh, at Garden City Community College. He's going to have a chance to pair with Benny Snell, and who knows what that offense is going to look like seven, eight weeks from now. I think there's such a mystery Electric. on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, let's just assume it'll be all world and Kentucky will be right. undefeated like that one person tried to tell you, right? Yeah, yeah, Matthew Gordon. Shout out to Matthew Gordon, uh, big fan of the Facebook Live. He, I mean, he's all in on Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky could, I mean, they could they could shock the world. Again, there were like a few whoa, plays whoa, away whoa, last whoa, year from being 9-3. Shock yeah, the world. How, what's what's shock the world for Kentucky standards? I, I, it's eight and four. I just feel like Terry Wilson's going to show up wearing coach pants, like bike coaching pants that are shorts that go well well above the knee. So that's that's what I'm envisioning right now for Terry Wilson. Also, you got to think too, as as much as we joke about their offense being really good this year, them shocking the world, they did lose one of their key offensive linemen this past weekend, which is a little bit True. concerning. True. So. Kentucky's got an uphill climb, in my opinion. Uh, we'll wait and see just in terms of what that offense morphs into uh, as the season progresses. Texas A&M, reportedly, this is according to uh, 24-7 Sports' Brian Peroni, reported that Kellen Mond is going to be the starter in College Station. He has beat out Nick Starkle, the Bieber lover, for the starting job. Yeah, we had to throw that in there. I feel like every single time we bring up Starkle, just like intern Butch Jones, we have to say Bieber lover Nick Starkle. Without doubt, yeah. I mean, and, and obviously, it just goes to show you guys, unless you're a 13-year-old girl, being a believer does not pay off in the long run. Uh, fun fact, my wife, big-time Justin Bieber fan. Bieber fan. She is fun fact, your wife also not starting at quarterback for Texas A&M, so just know that. But if she was, I think she would also wear a Bieber t-shirt <laughs> under Cut her off. jersey. Yes, absolutely. Kellen gets the start, which means that... IMG now has, what, four starting quarterbacks yes. entering week one, which is unbelievable That's in itself. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, but um, Cal- Calamon is going to have a chance to really be the the unquestioned guy, I think, in that offense. And I know Jimbo Fisher said, yeah, both quarterbacks could play in the opener, blah, blah, blah. 
But we've seen in the past from him, when he picks a guy, he goes with him. Yes. He, he, he really, truly tries to not waver on that, and it's he picks his guy. He pick, he's like a, a one-lane running back. He's going to pick his hole, and he's right. just going to go. He's not going to juke and try and go side to side on you. He's going to try and get downhill, and he's going to try and do whatever he can to coach him up because we saw the potential there last year. And I think people might forget what Kellen Mond did against right. Alabama. He looked really, really good at times during that game. Very frustrating and... game, yeah, to watch. <laughs> I mean, he, no, it's just, and that's like that kind of offensive continuity. I think is what a lot of a lot of fans would like for their school. And so I think that's one positive that Jimbo, just another positive that Jimbo's going to bring to College Station with this decision. Let's be clear though, Travion Williams is going to be that offense. Yeah. I, they're really going to try and feature him a lot more than they did last year. I think he's going to be a guy who we see at the top of the SEC in terms of carries per game. I right. think that they want to rely on him as much as possible and not get into these situations where they're throwing 35, 40-plus times exactly. a game. So I, I think from from that standpoint, the offensive identity isn't going to change a ton. Kellen Mond, of course, has the mobility, and I think he is a much different quarterback than what we saw in that season opener last year against UCLA where he looked like a deer in headlights. Yikes. Yeah, well, in was the second half. Good. First half, he was... Just a little happy deer, just running all around. Second half, Bambi. Yeah, not so good. So, um, yeah, we're, we're going to see what can become of Jimbo Fisher's first year uh, in, in College Station, and they'll get a chance Thursday night to get the SEC off to a 1-0 and start. We expect that to happen. Um, another uh, interesting battle that I don't know if – I guess there was a, a leader just from last year, but I don't really know if it was – if it was a consensus opinion that Cole Kelly was going to be the starter in Arkansas. But nonetheless, he is going to get the week one start against Eastern Illinois. Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer at Eastern Illinois. Uh, Ty Story was the, 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 is considered the backup moving forward. But Cole Kelly is someone who we saw last year in spurts show that he's got some potential. Right. There are some off-the-field issues there, and just in terms of schematically, I think that that's still a big question mark moving forward. Nobody, I think, really saw that and was like, okay, now it's it's on. Cole, Cole right. Kelly's going to be all <laughs> Now we go, Razorback Nation. Yeah, um, this one was tough. Again, this one, this is probably the, like, out of all the teams in the SEC, two strong names, okay? Mm. Now, Connor took the, the liberty of, of breaking down each position based off their skill, which is, in my opinion, kind of stupid, a waste of time. You want to go based off how cool the name is. Ooh. Cole Kelly, Ty Story. I'm going to go Cole Kelly on that one. So I think he made the right decision. Good job, Chad. Yeah, that was probably an easy call from that standpoint. That is yeah. kind of a one of a quarter. Cole is always like, yeah. You, you got a little bit of an edge if your first right. name is Cole. Um, See, so yeah, we're going to see uh, if he can run Chad Morris's offense. We expect them to run a billion plays every single game. That's what yeah. he wants to do. He wants the tempo. So we have some answers at the SEC with all these SEC quarterback jobs. We didn't really get an answer from LSU in terms of whether or not Joe Burrow was going to be the starter when we started recording this podcast. Of course, Ed Orgeron announces that he's – already announced, he's already made the, the decision, he's told the two quarterbacks, but he wants to publicly right. announce it to the team at practice. And so by the time that you're listening to this, he's going to already have announced it. Let's just assume it's Joe Burrow because why wouldn't we? <laughs> so also, I'm, like, I'm not even making a joke here. Do you think this will get announced by Orgeron announcing it? Or do you think it'll be like Miles Brennan be like, oh, by the way, I'm transferring. Like, oh, I guess we know who the <laughs> starter is. <laughs> I'm out. Bye. Yeah, bye. Part of me, part of me wants to think that like 
he wanted to announce this like this morning, but like for some reason was like just up early and his like airboat somehow got stuck in like a swamp somewhere like <laughs> down in Homa, like seventy miles to the east. And he's just, like, running late on the announcement. Like, he's going to come in all sweaty and just be like, I'm sorry, we still had that uh, press conference this morning. Obviously, signing quarterback is going to be Joe Burrow, and we have told Miles Brennan to leave uh, school and took away his scholarship. <laughs> we got to open scholarship. That'd be a Jim McElwain move to do yeah. something like that. Uh, we, we don't think that, um, that, that there's any doubt about who the starting quarterback is going to be. Mark Rick basically came out and said, yeah, we're, we're expecting Joe Burrow to be the starting yeah. quarterback for when we was- play on Sunday. Bold move by uh by by Mark Rick. I mean, and I've like watched like some of the the practice tape and stuff like that. And you know, granted, it is just practice, but Miles Brennan can spin it, man. He looks pretty good. He, like the arm strength and the accuracy is also there. I think Burrow is a little bit more accurate, but he doesn't have that same kind of arm. But yeah, Burrow's gonna be your starter. Burrow's gonna be the starter, and we talked about this before. Whether or not Brennan stays in Baton Rouge is such an interesting storyline because there are a lot of people who would be like, nope, I'm out, bye. And then there are yeah. a lot of people who would also say at the same time, well, Joe Burrow is still unproven in his own right, and if he doesn't get off to a good start, first couple games, struggles out of the gate, all of a sudden I'm the starting quarterback at LSU right. for the foreseeable future, and what's the point of transferring? When so, you say a lot of people that would bowl, do you, um, do you mean like just like hypothetical or like literally the two other quarterbacks that were in the QB room that left? No, no, no. That's not a shot at our, at our guys, Justin McMillan or Noel Narcisse. Uh, that no, not a shot at them. I, yeah. I think it, just humans in general. When I mm-hmm. when I say many, so agreed. Um, LSU's quarterback situation is going to be uh, a fun topic of discussion, regardless of, of who the starter is. Even though it's 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 Joe Burrow. So, what we did not find out is who's going to be starting for Alabama because yes, Nick Saban names co-starters, and he was asked. Oh, coach, do you think uh, we should assume that the, the starting quarterback is going to be announced at game time? And uh, he basically said, yeah, I don't think you should assume anything. I will let you know when I make that announcement. And if I want to do it, I'll do it. You know, just screw it. Just put them both out there. Who cares? <laughs> like, who? I mean, you're going to be handing off to, to Damian Harris most of the time and Najee Harris anyway. Like, just put them both back there. Run a legit two-quarterback system. Put one on the left hash, one on the right hash figure out the snap somehow, I don't know. And just a lot of laterals and reverses. So I like that. What if we we come up with a situation in which shotgun set, you've got a running back on each side, but the running backs are both quarterbacks. So you've got yeah. Mac Jones on one side, Jalen Hurts on the other. Tua is taking the snap, but it's a direct snap to Jalen Hurts. So then, who's the starting quarterback? We don't know. We're still My asking that question. Exploded. We did. Yeah. Yeah, I think my favorite part of this, I mean, because this is what he always does. This is not a surprise. Like, I mean, the two listing the two starters, and I guarantee you, when they announce 30 minutes ahead of a game at Camping World Classic or whatever it's called in Orlando. Close enough. Yeah. So as soon as they announce it, it'll say, and at quarterback for Alabama, it'll be Tua, Tungabailoa, or Jalen Hurts. That's exactly how that'll play out. You're not yeah. going to know until the first team runs out on the field. I mean, if he, like he literally just said 30 minutes ago, if I want you to know, you'll know. I will be there for that announcement. Sick brag. Looking forward to it. Really, really excited. I will yeah, not. Yeah, you are, Connor. Hope you have a blast. <laughs> You're going to have fun opening weekend of college football, so don't worry that about it. That is true. Um, so Jake Fromm is not named Georgia's starting quarterback yet. Kirby Smart for whatever reason. Yeah. 
Eh, well, not really, because it's not but newsworthy. But that's the biggest news, I think. No, it's not, because he's been taking first-team snaps. Everybody knows that Jake Fromm is going to be the starter. It doesn't I agree. Really I don't think it's the biggest news either. Yeah, you're right. No, no, no. We're The biggest news is not that. Jake Fromm is going to be the starter in week one. Justin Fields is going to get playing time, yada, yada, yada. Do you think that anything else will happen? Yeah, this, I'm not sold on what you just said. I'm really not. What? I'm really, yeah, I'm just, I mean, I'm because I'm, Kirby's the same. Like, I think it's different when you have... I mean, Jake Fromm is great. I think Jake Fromm is great. But I just think it's different when you have somebody that's of that kind of elite talent as Justin Fields. I feel like he should have already said it by now. So you're saying Justin Fields is starting week one? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I think it's Don't interesting. Don't sit on the fence. I'm Don't sitting right on the fence. On Call the me fence. Wilson because I am on that fence. That's good. That's good. Uh, there's, I don't think there's any chance that Justin Fields starts in the opener. Just... Gonna throw that out there and whatever. If that, if he's probably gonna announce in the next like two hours. Oh, yeah, Justin Fields is starting. You better not. Like an idiot. <laughs> um, that's not gonna happen. Big surprise development though. Yeah. Talk about burying the lead. This was maybe the most significant news, and I don't know why I sat on this. I probably should have put this at the top. Nick Fitzgerald is going to be out for the season opener. No, it's not because he has an ankle injury that he's still trying to work his way back from. It's because, as Joe Moore had announced on Monday. He was suspended for a violation of team rules for an incident dating back to March. So that means it's the Keaton Thompson show for week one against Stephen F. Austin. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of shocked that this is not announced sooner. If it happened back in March. Um, but yeah, I mean, his, his first game back now from it will be against Kansas State. That's not, I mean, nobody just walks into Manhattan, comes, comes out unscathed. Just ask Kevin McAllister in Home Alone 2, trust me. I mean, that's a good point. That's I a know. really good point. People do that's forget about that. That's what they got me that. on the pod, dude. Yeah, okay. All right. Now I'm on board. <laughs> no, I mean, you're... Stephen F. Austin, unless you're going to be playing him on a basketball court, it's not going to be a difficult game. I'm just very surprised that this, this decision was made. Yeah, and it was something that caught us totally off guard, considering the fact that Nick Fitzgerald was at SEC Media Days. Yeah. And usually if there's a player who's been in some off-season trouble, coaches don't even take the chance of bringing them to SEC Media right. Days just because something could, could slip out where he says something about how he's not playing in week one or something yeah. like that. But really, I mean, Joe Moorhead probably was looking at this like, well, if I don't bring Nick Fitzgerald to SEC Media Days, then people are going to start asking questions and right. it'll be really suspicious. So that's probably the... Point the thinking that went into that. But, yeah, if you're if you're a Mississippi State fan, you get to see Keaton Thompson in the opener, which is exciting in itself because, as we saw against Louisville last year, um, that that is a kid who has a ton of potential, and he's yeah. going to be Joe Moorhead's first big project in terms of what he can build him into. So that that so is exciting how to make itself. cornbread. So, yeah, I mean, just being down in the <laughs> South. That's all Everything's wrapped I'm just in saying, bait. it's not easy to make cornbread. you got to get a cast iron skill. You make True. Mexican cornbread with peppers in it? Hail, brother. That's a, that's a day in and, of, in and of itself. Cornbread's easier to mess up than people give it credit for. I, I'm, I'm a I've, terrible cook. I can barely make eggs, so. That's sad. <laughs> uh, I make eggs every morning. I, no, no, I don't deviate from that. Uh, two eggs I mean, I day. make eggs like five times a week. They just burn the blank out of the pan. And my girlfriend yells at me, and it's a whole, it's a whole big thing. It's a whole big mess. That sounds lovely. Um, Sorry, babe. <laughs> the, the significant element of this is... Is, is the week two impact. As you said, yeah. the fact that he is not, not only is, is Nick Fitzgerald going to make his season debut, trying to, you know, shake the rust off against Kansas State, but this is someone who 
is coming off of a major ankle injury. And, oh, by the way, this is his first game in Joe Moorhead's system. There is a learning curve there. Yeah. We saw that even with Trace McSorley back in 2016. The first month of the season for Penn State was really, really rough. That was right. the reason that I picked Mississippi State to lose this game in the preseason because I do. while I believe in Joe Moorhead's offense, I think it takes some time to get it down. And I think for Nick Fitzgerald now coming into this, without having that buffer first game to be able to um, make some mistakes and get away with it, I right. think this is going to be a major challenge week two now, given that we know that he's going to be suspended for week one. And when you're going up against a Bill Snyder defense, that this is what, his 80th, 1,830th game he's coached and like his 38th season opener, like this is not his first rodeo at all. That's he's probably point. actually been in rodeos. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of week one predictions later in the week on our Thursday pod. We have some national predictions that we want to get to. This is kind of the prediction pod for us. We're going to yeah. run through all of our SEC major awards, some national predictions. Uh, we're going to get to some some Vegas talk with, with Uncle Chris. Uh, Uncle Chris is 2-0, my friend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, I would expect nothing less from you. Um, although you did say earlier today, you're like, we're 2-0. and And I was like, wait, <laughs> what are you talking about? I was trying to include you what? along for the ride. Yeah, well, I am thankfully not on your gambling ride. That would be a, a nightmare roller coaster. Um, SEC predictions to start us off. Let's go with who's the Offensive Player of the Year in the SEC for 2018. What do you got? I, so this is going to be the most boring pick uh, of, I think, all of our predictions because it's the same. It's DeAndre Swift. I agree. I mean, and, and I've said this all along, I think he's the best chance at winning a Heisman out of this conference. I think he's the the lock of the conference for Offensive Player of the Year. Um, play on words there, because of Drew Locke. That was good. Um, that was good. I think Locke's numbers kind of take a step back. I think Stidham will put up good numbers, but I don't think at the end of the year, um, you know, it'll be as impressive depending on what their, their record is. I think Georgia mm-hmm. is going to be a 11-1, 12-0, honestly, I think 12-0. Um, and now with Zamir White being out, I know they have a stable of backs. I just, I think that that Swift gets most of the carries and puts up around 1,800 yards. I agree. As long as he's healthy, he makes a lot of sense to, to win this award. I think that this this is someone who could you know get upwards of, of 250 carries this year, and I don't think anybody would be that surprised, depending, of course, how many games Georgia plays. If they end up playing you know, 14, 15 games, obviously, right. then the chances of that happening are, are really good. But, yeah, we're in agreement on Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, DeAndre Swift, still plenty of work to go around in that backfield. In fact, we will talk about another member of the Georgia backfield in a little bit, just as we did last week. Defensive player of the year. Who you got? Uh, I got Mac Wilson. And I know everyone's going to probably hate on this, but Bama homers got Mac Wilson. Here's something that's not said nearly enough. The SEC leader last year in interceptions had six interceptions. Grady Williams, um... Why, why am I drawing a blank? Mark McLaurin had six, too, I believe. Yeah, he did. That, that's, I couldn't remember if it was Matt or Mark. Anyway, but so he had six. They, had, they, were, they were top of the lead. Mac Wilson had four interceptions as a middle linebacker. That's pretty good. And he didn't play the entire season. Um, this year, with him and Dylan Moses in the middle, I mean, just kind of looking back, like, at the time Saban's been there, Rolando McClain, Donta Hightower, C.J. Mosley, guys like that, I think he's going to step in, be a very, very productive middle linebacker. As long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to be a defensive player of the year. We love to see when these like five-star guys explode in yeah. in in the postseason. It's really sets it up well for for the following season. I'm guilty of that too, of, of being like, okay, they they've got it figured out. They're they're yeah. ready to take off. I have Mac Wilson as the first uh, first team All SEC linebacker, so I I have no problem with that pick. I'm going with a 
Different linebacker in the division, though. I'm going to give that to Devin White. No, it is not just because he has seven horses, although that played that a is, factor this in just, it. That is seven too many horses. I, maybe six too many. One is good. <laughs> seven is excessive. You ever hung um, out with a, a, a horse girl? I mean, he's a man, but I mean, like, you remember those girls in, like, middle school? It's like, I really love horses. Like, get away from me, Teresa. You creep. Uh, so, fun fact, my mother-in-law owns three horses. So. Oh, I'm really sorry I brought that up. All right. Sorry. Um, yeah. So, uh, Devin White, uh, I am just... <laughs> That was a nice little, little transition out of that one. I'm not even going to touch that. Not I meant like, cool, like in a cool way. Horse girls are like, what? That's crazy. That's <laughs> so cool that you like horses too. Black Beauty. Oh, Damn it, boy. Chris. Uh, Devin White, I think, is, is due for another big year. We've seen this with, with Dave Aranda coached linebackers. They take off. I mean, statistically yeah. speaking, it's one thing to have all the tackles. I think he's going to be put in so many great positions to to rush the passer, to make a difference. We've talked about the talent that they have on the defensive line with guys like Rashard Lawrence. We think that they are going to be able to do some big-time things on that side of the ball. As many questions as we have about the LSU offense, we really don't have a whole lot about the LSU defense, especially now that Christian right. Fulton is back. Um is, is eligible for this upcoming season. So I just think Devin White is going to be in such a great position to thrive in that defense. But, and I mean, even best his numbers from last year, which thinks, that's, a, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, the 133 tackles that's last year. That is, yeah, that's a lot. I think he's about 20 per horse. Also. Yeah. <laughs> it's 19, that's 19 tackles per horse on the dot. I think we need to bring up Devin White's horses every single time. Um, oh, I hope not. Yeah, he wrangled eight guys down to the ground this weekend. No, One of the okay. greatest quotes in the history of the world was when uh, um, Rashawn Evans came in at Alabama like four years ago. They said, "What have you been doing on the off season to stay in shape?" To chasing horses, because his parents had a farm, and it was like that was the first thing I thought of when I saw Devin White. Like, he's he running after horses too? Because that's dangerous. As one does. Um, let's move on to Coach of the Year. Oh boy, you have who? Uh, I mean, we all know who yours is going to be. Yeah, but we need. Let's go with yours first and pretend there's some suspense. Barry Odom, Missouri. Ooh. What? what? That's right. Even after you predicted that Florida was going to finish ahead of Mizzou, or I said it could be one, two. I said two A, two B. Barry Brodom, dude. Barry Brodom coming in hot this year. He's got Derek Dooley now, so he doesn't have to worry about the offense. That's right. Derek Dooley coming to the rescue. No, I don't think that part's going to be true, but. Drew Locke, that offense coming to the rescue, returning nine starters. Also having Beckner come back in the defensive line, returning eight starters there. They're going to be good. they're going to be good. So here's the thing with Barry Odom. While I would, he's a good candidate for the type of coach who can win this, because I do think that it's there's only a select group of coaches who really yeah. could could win this. I mean, you're not going to see Nick Saban as a preseason no. candidate or something like that, just because of expectations. Um, the thing I struggle with with Barry Odom is he's not going to get credit for anything they do on offense. It was never like that with Josh Heupel when he was there before he went to UCF. So even if Derek Dooley does do some great things, I think we'll just continue to give the credit to Drew Locke and maybe even Derek Dooley. It's going to depend on whether or not Mizzou can actually finish better than 95th in the country in scoring defense, which they have yet to do since he's been a head coach. So if Mizzou can do that, hey, who knows? Maybe he's got a chance to win Coach of the Year. But also, do you know what he did last year after starting 1-5? and five? His offense Six games in a row. scored a billion points, yeah, even though it wasn't you're his right. offense. Agreed. But like closing out the year by winning six straight games, if he can do that again, plus get one big win like Georgia at home or at Bama, which I don't see that part happening. But, I mean, if he can close strong again, it's it's usually like, what have you done for me lately? I feel like for like the, the postseason awards. True. No Saquon uh, Barkley's here. Boom. <laughs> Nailed it. Speaking of Saquon Barkley, my okay. coach of the year, Joe Moorhead. 
What? The man, the myth, the legend. Do I even need to explain why I think this is going to happen? If you've been listening to this podcast, you know my offseason prediction all along. Mississippi State, going to win 10 games, blah, blah, blah. Joe Moorhead does amazing things with that with Nick Fitzgerald once he's back and not suspended. Um, yeah. But think that the offense goes to new heights with him. Um, think that this team has a 7-1 season in the SEC, which would be all sorts of historic Joe Moorhead, my coach of the year in the SEC. Joe Moorhead, big horse guy. Big horse guy. Big into koalas, too. That's one thing we don't say enough about Joe Moorhead. So. Who is your freshman of the year in the SEC? Jalen Waddell from oh, Alabama. I thought you were going to say Hurts. Dang. <laughs> Jalen Hurts. I think it's Jalen Hurts. Uh, I was just no. going to hope that you misheard me or something like that. You say <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Like, Boom. What? Nailed it. Uh, no, Jalen oh, Waddell from Alabama. I've been really high on him. And again, this is not a homer thing. Um, I, I just feel like there's going to be a limited number of people that are going to get the opportunities. Uh, I mean, you know, like you look at Kentucky having Terry Wilson, who's 43 years old, playing quarterback. There's not a lot Good of point. young guys that can like take over. And I think it's going to be somebody obviously with a skill position. And I, I think this kid's going to really, really make some noise as a at receiver this year for Alabama rave reviews out of camp for him. Yeah. I can get on board with that. Um, I'm sticking with what I said. Uh, last week. I'm going to go with James Cook, uh, Georgia running back. Let's make it a clean sweep for the Georgia backfield in terms yeah, of geez, offensive man. player of the year and freshman of the year. I think there's still going to be a lot of opportunities available for him, especially now with the Zamir White injury. Yes, I believe Elijah Holyfield will have a role in this offense, but I think Cook is the guy who, like, like Swift did last year, once he gets those opportunities in the second half of games, he takes off. He becomes someone right. that Georgia ends up relying a lot more on as the season progresses. So, that transitions into Georgia's really got something cooking in that backfield. Am I right, boys and girls? All right, here you go. Let, Uncle. let me be the first to say that I think. <laughs> East winner, I've got the dogs, Georgia. Um, so I went a different direction. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Oh, shut up. No, say not. Georgia. Yeah, that's, that one's going to be tough. All right, West winner, Alabama, do we even need to? I, so this is actually tough for me, and I've said this since media days. I would pick, I would pick Auburn if they had a home November schedule but because they, they yeah they don't I got Bama yeah because Bama gets them and Mississippi State at home. What's the number? There's there's some stat about how many years we we've predicted Alabama to win the division and then it Probably never nine. ends up happening or something something some media they stat win about the division. That. I mean they win the division or win the so. SEC win, winning the SEC. Yeah, um, but yeah I, I still have Alabama winning. The SEC as well. I know that that's a boring, boring take, but preseason takes don't always have to be fire. Let me just say that. I have Georgia. Ooh. I stuck with what I uh, originally put in uh, Atlanta for media days. I took Georgia as the SEC winner. Wow. So all of you saying that, oh, Chris, it's Bama Homer. There's an incredible Ed Orgeron impression. Yeah, you know what? Only one of those things is true. The the Orgeron impression. A really good impression. I take Georgia all day. It's really good. It's really good. Um, I'm shocked. Shocked. This we're gonna we're gonna hold you to this all all season though. I mean, let or let it what? be known like what happens. <laughs> every single time though, this this is ammo for you, really more than anything else, because it, it's a win win scenario. Because yeah, I know. this I is know. this is why you do this, and I know I'm you. A lot smarter than people give me credit for. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not how it looks, extent. Connor. Yeah. That. Throw in the tennis match when you're nine years old, so you can go home and watch the <laughs> SEC championship. It's next level thinking. I will give you that, but. <laughs> This is a different category. So My mom just remembered that, by the way. She was still pissed. <laughs> you threw that match. Do you have any idea money. how much expensive it was to buy you all those ASICs? Well, mom, ASICs suck. You shouldn't even buy me all those ASICs. I was nine years old. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. They're pretty good running shoes, I think. 
but whatever, dude. Not back then. Um, okay, let's go to national predictions. We're going to first break down who we think is going to win each Power 5 conference, and then we'll do playoff title game, all that stuff. So let's, let's start in the ACC. It's Clemson, right? Yeah, it's not even close. All right, let's, it's let's not move even on. Close. Uh, Big 12. I had actually had a tough time with this because I've been saying all offseason I don't think that Oklahoma deserves to start off as a top five team as they were they the coaches poll I think they're number five or something like that just losing Baker Mayfield yeah. I have a tough time saying Oklahoma is automatically going to win the Big 12 but who who else are going to pick I mean West Virginia I know is getting a little bit of preseason hype now but West Virginia's over under in Vegas is seven total wins they have the worst travel schedule in the entire country for for conference games because the Big 12 is stupid and I don't understand how they are able to even afford this because going to like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night game in from Morgantown to Norman or Manhattan or Austin is just absurd. So I, I think West Virginia can be good and the defense can be really, really improved and that offense can be great. But I, yeah, it's, it's, it's alarming if Vegas has their numbers at, at only seven total wins. So I think with that being said, I mean, I'm still going with Oklahoma to win the Big 12. It's like Kansas and basketball. I mean, there are some things you just kind of have to pencil in and just forget about it. Yeah, I got Texas, so I didn't pencil really? that at all. I literally wrote Texas in with a pencil, my lucky pencil, as you can see right here. Wow. Texas. I think they're so, going to be the most improved team in the country under Tom Herman in year two. Wow, so Tom Herman is going to take a break from going to strip clubs with Zach Smith, and he's going to win the division. Good for him. I mean, people go to strip clubs. Eh, just not on recruiting visits, or at least they're not. Well, yeah, to. that also is true. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Big Ten. I'm gonna go with the same team I've been picking all off season that I've been saying wasn't getting enough respect. Wisconsin. Yeah, I hate that. Hate that pick. Um, I they have to go to Michigan and to Penn State. So I, the only pick I hate more than that is the one I made, and that is Ohio State. The, you know what? Screw it. I'm not picking Ohio State. I'll take I'll take Penn State. Attaboy. Yeah. Screw Ohio State. <laughs> They're a tough team to get behind right now. They're the yeah. national hate for Ohio State. That's maybe one of the fun little by- byproducts. Okay, I shouldn't say fun. That's the wrong word because this situation. Nothing about the situation yeah, has been fun. Agreed. Interesting little little nuggets. As if there wasn't enough of a reason for people to hate Ohio State nationally, this right. has only fueled that, and there are going to be a lot of people who do not want to see them in the playoff, and they will become public enemy number one. No yeah. doubt about it. Okay, let's move on to the Pac-12. I have a team that an SEC team will see opening weekend. I've got Washington winning the Pac-12. Same. Really high on Washington. I think they have the best front seven in the country. Um, that D-line is going to give Auburn fits, I think, in week one, just because of the only one returning starter on the offensive line for Auburn. Washington's going to be really, really good. And the fact that Browning threw 40 touchdowns two years ago. But had a bad year last year. Had a, yeah, and then is now back. I mean, like, Peterson's a great coach. He is a great coach. So I think I, I got Washington. I'm very high on Washington this year. And they, their schedule sets up nicely as well. I should have teased this at the top of the pod. I don't know why I didn't, but we got some fun little uh, Washington nuggets from talking to Gary Stokin, uh, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl CEO and president. He had some fun stuff just about like why Washington is even playing in this game right. against Auburn, what kind of led to that and stuff. So, um, yes, I am, I am all on board with uh, Washington winning the Pac-12 and, well, because we know who already is going to win the SEC, at least my prediction was, was Alabama. So let's just go right into, because you got Georgia, I've got Alabama. Let's go right into our playoff predictions here. I have Alabama, Clemson, Washington, Wisconsin, and I will say that everybody has it right now, but I was doing it before. It was cool. Let the record show. 
So I've had since March, I've had it since March, Ohio State, Clemson, Washington, and Georgia. And now this change of heart with Ohio State, I think Ohio State's stacked. I mean, they're just absolutely stacked. But I hate, I hate Ohio State. I hate their fans on Twitter, and I hate most things they stand for. So I now have Penn State, as we've just now learned. My final four, UGA, Clemson, Texas, and Washington. I don't think the Big 12 gets left out again uh, like they did, what, three or four years ago. I think the Big 10 is, is probably the toughest conference top to bottom. They're going to beat each other up. So I'm going to take Texas. That's interesting. Yeah. Texas is re- you're really going all in with that. This all just started happening five minutes ago. So I mean, yeah, okay. these are. <laughs> I mean, I think te- I do think Texas is gonna win, like be a lot more improved than they were, or a lot better than they were last year. And when they lose Week One at Maryland, playing yeah, against okay. Matt Canada's yeah. motion offense, it's gonna be really ugly. Just saying. Half no, Maryland's gonna team's gonna be out because they're gonna be body shamed in the in the in like the end zone that year. Whoa! <laughs> way saying. too soon. Way too soon. You're not allowed to play this game. Eat that Snickers and watch this game unfold. Coach, I don't just let me in, man. I'm the starting left tackle. Marler off the top rope going after <laughs> Maryland. My goodness gracious. All right, who you got? You got Texas in the title game, too? You want to go there? Absolutely not. It's UGA Clemson. That'd be really, really fun. Yeah. Because that'd be new, at least, and we, you know, we're going to get that in a few years, but to get it my, in a yeah. title game would be awesome. Um, yeah, I, I got UGA and Clemson in the final. I've got the most boring title game ever. It's you, Alabama Clemson. Who you got I'm winning at all? Yes, I've got Bama winning at all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm boring. Yes, I'm boring. I'm Midwest boring. Soon. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. You're saying it, not me. So just know that. Um, I I don't know if we sh- if I should say this on the pod, but I've got C L E M S O N. I don't spell well. What does that spell? Clemson with a P. Oh, yeah, I, I think Clemson, top to bottom, is one of the stronger teams in the country. Uh, I think this is the first time in four years they don't play Bama. I think Georgia gives them everything they, ha- they can, you know. That, that offensive line versus defensive line matchup would be incredible in the national championship game. Uh, I have Clemson winning it all. So you have Georgia losing a second straight national championship game. Yeah, they are going to become the Buffalo Bills of the SEC. No, I'm kidding. They're going to win one soon. Uh, but I, I've got Clemson, just for, for diversity's sake, diversity day here. Uh, at, at the office, um, I just I think even if I had Bama in the in the title game, I, I just think Clemson's really strong this year. Can you picture what that Waffle House order would look like for Kirby if he lost his second national title? I mean, I can tell you what my Waffle House orders look like after after Bama loses a game or I've been through a breakup. So it, it can't be much worse. It's going to be about two All Star specials and uh, a bunch of hash browns. Yeah, there's. No limitation to what a sad, sad Chris Marler can eat. That I assume. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> you are welcome. Let's get into something that's along. Uh, it's, it's your wheelhouse. Let's just call it that. Uh, at least you pretend to, to be your wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> who ends up making Vegas look really, really, really dumb this year? Arizona. The Arizona Wildcats. So Kevin Sumlin. Vegas, yeah, Kevin Sumlin. I think Kevin Sumlin with somebody like Khalil Tate at quarterback is going to be just like a, a Manziel 2.0. Um, also, Sumlin does really well when there aren't a lot of expectations uh, lined up against him. So, as we remember from his time at College Station, I'm going to say Arizona. Their over-under win total uh, this season out in Vegas is only seven wins. So, I got Arizona on that one. All right. Arizona. Going to shake things up. 
I mean, they're in the Pac-12 South, and so you know, it's like it's not that difficult of a conference. USC just announced their starting quarterback, and they stole a page out of the other USC's playbook, and they're starting a true freshman that get this supposed to be in his senior year of high school. Oh what? gosh, I saw that and was like, okay, can we let's let's chill on that. Carolina's let's... the real SC, USC after that move. Oh gosh, enough of that. Let's let's move on from that. Um, so we've got uh, we've got some SEC lines though for week one. They are out. It is game week, so we can actually talk about them without feeling like total idiots about it. Our friends at MyBookie have some week one open yes. lines. We're not going to make our picks this week. We're going to do on a little, Thursday. Little, we're going to save those for Thursday, but, yes. but a little teaser. Give us a give us a peek of what those those lines are looking like a few days removed from uh, from week one. Well, first and foremost, let's give a little shout out to MyBookie. Uh, it's my favorite betting site. And your Uncle Chris is already 2-0. Because remember, guys, it's not just who you're betting on, it's who you're betting with. So, if you would have jumped on board with Uncle Chris's, Uncle Chris's money train last week, that's what we're going to call it, choo-choo, uh, you would have taken the over in Colorado State and Hawaii. And I know you're thinking, like, Chris, why would I bet on that game? I don't know, because you like money? That's why. Covered that, uh, covered that over in the fourth quarter. Also took the under uh, with Wyoming, New Mexico State. So, like I said, Uncle Chris, 2-0. Thanks to MyBookie.com. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online, including the one you just heard here. So lay down some cash, win the day. And remember, if you use the promo code SDS, they will match your initial deposit up to 100%. So promo code SDS at MyBookie.com. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. You play, you win, you get paid. You're welcome. Your Saturday gambling, gambling with Uncle Chris. I am looking forward to that. It's going to be absolutely awesome. You're going to make people some money, and you're also going to drive people crazy. People are going to. I mean, just just remember here, guys. And this is, I mean, going sixty percent or better in against the spread. Somebody said this this weekend, and it was like on. I think it was from a a a betting website about um, just covering spreads in general. It's like going batting four hundred in baseball. Okay, so just you know, bear with me. Uncle Chris is not always right, but right now we're at 100%, so batting 1,000. That being matters. said, the week one SEC lines, we have Ole Miss plus 2.5 uh, versus Texas Tech. That line has, I guess, gone up a full half point from last week. South Carolina minus 29.5 versus Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina is not very good, guys. Jump on that. Kentucky minus 17 versus Central Michigan. Wait, real quick. Can you name Coastal Carolina's mascot? Yeah, the Chanticleers. Dude, f- dude my family good. lives in Columbia. I got this. That's right. That's I got right. this. All right, um, sorry, move on. Hey, let's see here. Kentucky, about a 17 versus Central Michigan. Auburn, minus 2.5 versus Washington. I like that a lot better when it was plus 4.5, or minus 4.5. I've been saying that um, since, I don't know, April, May, to take that's Washington a, on that. That's a geographical thing, though. Like, uh, uh, that's, They're basically... they're. Vegas is essentially treating this like it's close to an Auburn home game, and I, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, that's because there's more but... Auburn fans in Atlanta than there are in Auburn. Trust me, I live here. It's 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 nuts. That's a very that's going to be a, a big home game for Auburn. Washington um, is doing well with its tickets, though. Gary Stoken, good. as Gary Stoken did tell us about that, and the 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 interest that Washington fans have had since coming down to Atlanta for the the playoff semifinal a couple years ago right. against Alabama. So there there will be some Washington fans there, but yeah, not it's not really going to be close probably. Uh, we got Tennessee getting nine and a half, so plus nine and a half uh, versus West Virginia. That has come down a full point from last week, so a lot of public money on Tennessee. Um, Vanderbilt minus three and a half versus MTSU. They beat them by twenty-two points last year, so 
you know, look for the, the, the doors to go out there and make a statement against the Blue Raiders and that blue unicorn. Jeez. Alabama minus 25 versus Louisville. That's gone down a half point. And my favorite of the week, LSU plus three versus Miami, the Sunday night game in Jerry World. Those are your week one SEC lines. I'm going to have to study them. They're going to change because by the time we do these on Thursday, we'll, we'll have new picks, I'm sure. But, yes. Jump on, those... if, if there's anything I can tell you now, jump on Tennessee. Jump on Ole Miss. Something Uncle Chris likes to do a lot. I'm just going to throw this one out there now. I'll give you a free one Ooh, to start the week. Like that. Tease down West Virginia to three and a half and Ole Miss to plus eight and a half. And just count your winnings come Sunday morning. Wait, West Virginia, three and a half yeah, against Tennessee? Yeah, a teaser. You want to buy down about a touchdown's worth. You get six points on this teaser, but both teams have to have to win by that, that spread. You have a lot to learn about gambling, dude. A lot, man. I was, that was way, way over my lot head. A lot to learn about being a degenerate. And guys, as I always say, just remember, it's not a problem if you're winning. There you go. That is the moral of the story, moral of the season, really. I feel like we're going to come back to that one very, very frequently. Um, speaking of some of those week one lines, we were able to bring on uh, Gary Stoken, who's gracious enough to, to join us, um, was able to interview him about uh, just the, the way that this um, Washington-Auburn matchup has come together. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl kickoff game has become uh, one of the premier games in the college football season. Uh, so pivotal in non-conference play. We saw last year with Alabama-Florida State. It was billed as the, the GOAT of college football openers. Um, this game, of course, uh, against with, with Auburn and Washington is being billed as one of the best, if not the best, of the opening weekend. So I uh, talked about uh, just how that all came together, how this Oregon-Georgia matchup that was just announced, how that came together, and just kind of the basic premise of why Pac-12 teams are willing to come down to Atlanta all of a sudden. Um, and he talked about also the two SEC matchups that fell apart in negotiations that they were going to get, but uh, things didn't exactly work out. So definitely going to want to stick around for the end of the interview to listen to that. Um, so yeah, without further ado, here is Gary Stoken. We're excited to be joined by a very special guest today. It is Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl president and CEO, Gary Stoken. Those who are SDS podcast veterans might remember that we had Gary on the pod last year to talk about the Alabama-Florida State matchup and how that all came to be. Uh, it was awesome, awesome stuff. This year, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl is again having a massive headliner showdown. Got a pair of top 10 teams in Auburn and Washington. First of all, Gary, how lucky are you that you got uh, a pair of games like this in consecutive years? Well, oftentimes you say better lucky than good. Uh, obviously, we knew that Alabama and Florida State uh, and this year Auburn and Washington would both be good. We didn't know they'd be one versus three last year. And depending on the polls you look at preseason-wise this year, four versus eight. So, yeah, we're blessed to have two uh, top ten teams and two top ten quarterbacks and two top ten defenses this year. What I'd love to dig into is this Pac-12 migration to the heart of SEC country to play in this game. Washington, of course, is the first Pac-12 team that's going to be playing in this game, which is now a decade old, which I'm sure is really tough for you to believe in itself. Uh, tell us the backstory of how and why Washington agreed to play in this game two years ago. Yeah, starting with Auburn, you know, first off, Auburn, Gus Malzahn and Jay Jacobs at the time being the AD, you know, they love coming to Atlanta. It's a big recruiting base for them. And, uh, you know, playing in either the Dome or 
the Mercedes-Benz Stadium was important to them because that's where you play the SEC championship game. And so for all those reasons, Auburn made a lot of sense coming back. This will be, I believe, their fourth time playing in our, our kickoff game. Uh, and then I went to the Pac-12 media days, I think it was three years ago, and I had been reading, which you know you have to do to research everything, uh, that um, Washington was having some problems with their schedule with the media. The media didn't think they were playing up to uh, with the three non-conference games that they have since they have nine conference games, uh, what they should be doing. And I think they were going to play that year Rutgers, uh, Portland State, and I can't remember the other school. Um and so I knew Chris Peterson because I had him play with Boise here, and they beat Georgia in 2011. And so I said, Chris, you know, um, you know, I've got Auburn in 2018. I know you're taking some heat on your schedule. This would be a great upgrade to your schedule. We could make a fair payout. Um, and, uh, you know, he says, yeah, we'd like to do it. He went back. They had a new AD, Jen Cohen. And I talked to Jen, and we met, and uh, – put together the financial deal and little did I know that, you know, Washington would make the, uh, the semifinals in 2016 and come here to play in Atlanta in the Georgia dome against Alabama. Um, but the Washington people enjoyed that visit so much that, uh, you know, they're, they're selling out their 7,500 tickets to come here to play, uh, Auburn in this year's Chick-fil-A kickoff game. That's pretty amazing in itself. And I knew that your relationship with Chris Peterson, uh, that was something that we had talked about last year, that that, that had played a, a part in, in some of these negotiations. But I, I think the timing of, the, of these negotiations are so key in addition to those relationships. And I, I remember you saying last year how immediately after Jimbo Fisher won the national title with Florida State, you gave him a call and he said, I think that we're finally ready to play in this game, of course, alluding to the matchup against Alabama. And I, I think with Washington, the timing of this and when it all came together last year, you talked about the heat that, that Washington was getting just even in the preseason. But these negotiations really, they, they, you know, they went final in the middle of the season when they were you know, on the, the outside looking in, I think sitting at number five at the time at the playoff rankings. So Washington's taking all this heat for the scheduling, and then they come up with this big-time matchup against Auburn, who was also then a top-ten team. How key of a factor do you think the timing of this was, given that you know there was some urgency to get this done in the middle of that 2016 season? Well, I think both Chris Peterson and I, you know, as you said, we had a relationship. We had uh, also we run the Dodd Trophy, the preeminent college coach of the year trophy, and we presented that to Chris when he was at Boise. And uh, so the relationship we had, I think, um, we knew that Washington was going to be, you know, a viable uh, candidate for the playoff because we knew Chris and, and we knew Washington's history. And so, you know, the the timing to, to put this together couldn't have worked any better for Washington or for us. Um, and so, you know, as I said, when we first started, better lucky than good. Although, you know, we do our homework. We, we knew that if Browning stayed, that they'd be a top 10 team. We didn't know they'd be fourth. Uh, they're picked to win the Pac-12, uh, which we figured they'd be a contender for that. And as ESPN has said, this is the third most important game in college football this year for the CFP selection committee all season long. So a lot of ramifications in the in the first game. 
let's be honest. Uh, you know, you guys probably aren't scheduling a, a Pac-12 team like this unless they face a team like Georgia or Auburn, somebody with a ton of fans in Atlanta. Even though I know you said Washington fans are gonna, they're gonna come out and they're gonna be there. Um, they're gonna be well represented. But even with someone like Ole Miss or Tennessee, would be probably too risky to pair with a Pac-12 team. I know you guys always want to have one SEC or one ACC team, but is that a fair assumption and that that was part of what made this happen, is having a team like Auburn where you know the fan base is already going to be there? I mean, did that play a factor in getting the Pac-12 to those negotiations to work out? Yeah, for a financial um uh, decision. You've got to make sure that uh, you, you have tickets that are going to sell because at the end of the day, these games are part of the conference uh, TV package. So you don't receive any TV money for these games. And so to make the payout worthwhile for the teams to come where they can net more at this game than they can at a home game, you know, you have to sell the tickets. And so um, now having said that, you know, we've had Tennessee and Ole Miss before, and they've performed, you know, just as well as Auburn and Alabama. So I think pretty much anybody in the SEC, frankly, makes a lot of sense on one side for us uh, because we have the number one rec- number one alumni base for every SEC school living in Metro Atlanta. So it's real easy for them to buy the tickets. They don't have to buy a hotel room. They, they can just come to the game. Um, and then when you talk about, you know, the people from – as your example, Ole Miss and Tennessee, from wherever they come from, they love coming to Atlanta because the restaurants, the shopping, you know, the things to do. Uh, and we try and make this, well, not try, we, we make it a bowl-type atmosphere. So we'll have an event uh, Friday night that's uh, a true taste of music where we're bringing in musicians and chefs. And then Saturday we have our tailgate town outside and then our fan zone inside. Uh, Home Depot sponsors Tailgate Town, and Coca-Cola sponsors our fan zone. There's all kind of activation and, and uh, uh, games and things to do there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's something for every SEC team. I'm trying to think as I'm talking to you what SEC teams we've missed, and there's very few. Um, now, we've had the Auburns and Alabamas and Georgias and, you know, those teams because we've tried to take – ranked teams and and our goal is to have the best game to kick off the college football season in Atlanta every year and as you said in the beginning we've done that the last uh, two years easily with number one against number three which has never been done in college football history and then uh, this year number four and eight which uh, is the highest ranked game this weekend uh, over Notre Dame Michigan and over LSU Miami and Virginia Tech Florida State for that matter. It is amazing how how that has worked out really well for you last year or these past couple years really because this is this is so far out and I think people and conference uh, conferences tend to think that um, they don't necessarily want to feel like this is one sided and that's maybe what took so long with the Pac-12 and and getting them down to to play in a game like this because when we talked last year you know you were talking about how you had the Alabama USC concept and then USC decided you know what we don't want to make the trip all the way to Atlanta because we feel like this is too big of an advantage for Alabama they end up playing that game in Texas it doesn't matter Alabama still smokes them anyways so now that you guys have this this Washington Auburn game and then oh by the way you just added Georgia and Oregon 
What, what's changed with this belief with, with Pac-12 teams that they do want to all of a sudden come to Atlanta and play in this premier kickoff game? That's a great question, Connor. Uh, you know, I give a lot of credit to Rob Mullins, the AD of uh, Oregon, and uh, to Mario Cristobal, the head coach at Oregon. Both have SEC backgrounds. Uh, I met Rob when he worked at Kentucky as an assistant AD, uh, and Mario uh, has uh, worked for Alabama the last uh, or three, two or three years ago, I guess, for a few years and was over here during uh, Alabama's time. And so uh, they, they both have SEC backgrounds, and they know, you know what this game means on the national stage. Uh, the payout, I think, matters. Uh, Mario and Kirby are friends, coached together at Alabama. So, you know, there's there's a friendship there. And, and that's, that's one of the things you never know uh, in putting these games together. It's kind of like the Rubik's Cube. You know, does one coach want to play the other coach? Does an AD have an opening? And in the case of the, the uh, Pac-12, very difficult to do on their side because they play nine conference games. And so as an AD, one year you have five conference home games and four away conference games. Well, in that year, you only have three games to, to deal with. You, just gotta, you have to schedule two of those at home to make your season ticket package of seven to take care of your season ticket holders. So you have one game to play with. Uh, and the CFP now has mandated that you go out and play a tough non-conference schedule if you want to get in the college football playoff. And so I think both Washington and Oregon both looked and said, hey, you know, Washington particularly, you know, we want to take a shot at this college football playoff with this team, with Browning and Gaskins, et cetera. Let's go play this tough opponent, which will really help us at the end of the season get in the playoff. I think that's why Alabama got in last year. They beat number three Florida State. And that they didn't even win the SEC East or West. But that helped them get in the playoff. I think the same thing with Oregon. They're looking in, in you know, by 2022 to be back of the old, like the old Oregon. Uh, they're ranked in the top 25 this year. And so they look at it and say, hey, this is a chance for us to upgrade our non-conference schedule and take a run at this thing because we want to be back, you know, in the national picture. And I think, so you give Rob Mullins a lot of credit. He is the chair of the CFP, and, you know, he's putting his money where his mouth is. He's saying, hey, you know, we as the CFP want you to play a tough non-conference schedule. We, Oregon, are doing that by playing this game in 2022 against Georgia, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. I got a few more quick ones before we let you go. You've been so gracious with your time. Um, one of the things that I, always fascinates me is hearing these matchups that almost happened or the ones that kind of fell through, like like we talked about with Alabama and USC. Are, are there any matchups that, um, that maybe they went to a different site or they just sort of fell apart in the negotiations that, um, that even the average college football fan wouldn't have been aware of? Yeah, there are two, uh, you know, Beyond the one you mentioned, the USC-Alabama, I had that idea, and unfortunately USC didn't want to come to Atlanta. Uh, the other one was next year's Auburn-Oregon game, ironically enough. Uh, you know, I wanted to do a matchup of their, because uh, they both had openings, of their 2013 national championship game, and uh, Oregon decided at that time not to uh, to come to Atlanta to play Auburn but they, uh, they said they would go play in, in Dallas. And so they're playing next year. And that's one that, you know, we had the idea and talked through. And unfortunately, uh, 
you know, couldn't put together. And then the LSU Florida State game in 2023, we had been talking to uh, Monk Bonasort and Jimbo Fisher about that for a long time. And uh, we even helped, you know, the Sugar Bowl with, you know, how to put a game like this together from a financial strategic standpoint. And uh, LSU, uh, their part of that game, neutral, neutral game, they wanted to do a New Orleans. We knew that. And so we helped the Sugar Bowl. And then uh, we thought we were going to get the game, the Florida State game in Atlanta. Um, but, you know, a change of a head coach and, you know, Monk Bonasort passing away. And, uh, you know, they wound up uh, going to Orlando. So, uh, you know, they'll play next or 2023 in Orlando. So those are a couple games that we had, you know, started. Uh, thought we we could get, uh, but for one reason or another, uh, it didn't wind up making happen. So uh, that's that's you know that's part of the game. I mean, you got to get out in front. You got to talk to people, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And more often than not, we've been fortunate and blessed through our relationships to uh, to make the thing happen in Atlanta. Can you give us a quick sneak peek of any potential matchups that, that are in the works right now? Any concepts that you've got uh, drawn up that you'd like to see executed? Yeah, we've got uh, we've got a couple. You know, I, I was looking at the um, uh, the ACC and SEC matchups again, and uh, I think you know over hopefully this. Uh, this season, we'll be able to put together a couple that uh, in the future that will, you know, really resonate with a lot of people. Simple enough. I like that. Quick and to the point. Little little tease. I like that. That's good. Um, <laughs> Gary, you've been uh, you've been so gracious with your time, and uh, you know, so I'll get you out on this this last question here. Uh, you know, last year we called uh, the Alabama Florida State game the the best opener in college football history, the goat game, whatever you want to call it. Auburn, Washington. We need a nickname for it. We got six more days to talk about this thing. What should be our nickname for this game? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I philosophically, I told our, uh, I just watched the Notre Dame um, uh, thirty for thirty uh, convicts versus Catholics, and uh, I said to my staff, I said, you know, we've got to come up with with a uh, name for this game because they could be number one versus number two, Florida, Florida state and Alabama. Um, and so if this is a historic game, we need to put a name to it. And so uh, they wind up number one and number three, which still beat the record, the greatest opener of all time in college football history. And my staff did a great job coming up with the goat. So uh, I probably have to pull my staff in because they'll, they'll come up with a name, but, it probably needs to be something with the coasts involved, so uh, we'll have to come up with some rhyme with, uh, you know, East Coast and West Coast or Southeast and West Coast, something like that. I like that. When you, when you come up with a name, you just shoot me a text, and we'll we'll, yeah, we'll get definitely. that out in the open. Don't worry. <laughs> definitely. Oh, I awesome stuff. That. Great thought. <laughs> you know, anytime you need some marketing advice, that's that, yeah. that's what I'm here for. Any. I, I love these neutral site matchups. I think I, so many of our fans do, and we, we really appreciate getting to hear these, you know, the backstories of how these things come together. So uh, I, I know it's an extremely busy week for you, for your entire crew. So thank you so much for the time, and best of luck with what's sure to be a, a crazy opening weekend in Atlanta. Oh, thanks, Connor. We appreciate what you guys do for the SEC and uh, 
college football and always glad to join you and, and appreciate you guys having us. Really, really appreciate Gary coming on. That's a fun uh, thing that we've turned into a bit of an annual tradition here. Um, it, just that matchup is going to be uh, such a, an interesting one to watch, one with big-time playoff implications, uh, as we know. So we have Family Feud because it's Monday. You said it's a bit all over the place. You kind of scared me with your, your lead-in for this. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get to 69 points this week. There's no way. There's no chance. There's no chance. But I'll tell you what, Connor. Here's the thing. Uncle Chris is real excited. i got to stop calling myself Uncle Chris. I'm even over it. Um, here's the thing. It is week one. I said this morning in our, our pre-show notes, a little peel behind the onion, uh, peek behind the curtain. I said it right. There we go. Um, I'm so fired up because it's game week. I'm, I just, mm, this, is, this is what we've been looking for all offseason. Not only are we down in the single digits to count down to kickoff, it's literally in three days. It's a stone's throw away. That being said, this is going to be your family feud for the best pregame, lead-up, warm-up, whatever you want to call it. Okay? Let's are it. you ready? Born ready. <laughs> I, I've never been born ready. I've always just uh, yeah, shown up and say just that. kind of, yeah. Uh, it's like when like little seven-year-olds have those like, Nike shirts. It's like, too much swag. Can't stop me. Like, you're seven. Like, I'll definitely go to stop you. So there's yeah. that. Okay. You're, we- you're wearing a Nike t-shirt that just has some tough motto. You yeah, have, you have you're nothing a human highlighter, you. kid. Take I'm that adult. shirt off, Tevin. You look ridiculous. Yeah. First question. Here we go. Put 20 seconds on the clock. Um, what is the most important warm-up for your physical day? Go. P.E. warm-up, P.E. warm-up. I'm going to say um, eating so that you can stretch your stomach Wrong. Out. Arm circles. Uh, let's see here. What is your favorite uh, pregame drinking meal or drinking game? Pregame drinking game? Yeah. Um, oh, man. Uh, that's a good question. I'm, uh, I mean, I was a beer pong guy in college. I'll, I'll stick with that. I'll stick yeah, with that. Yeah, that works. Pong. That works. That or flip cup. Here we go. What is your favorite pump-up song? Anything not Imagine Dragons. Okay, which leads me to that, that, that. That's a perfect answer. That actually, you are one for three. Next question. What is your favorite Imagine Dragons song? Do you know the above? There you go. Two for four. Here we go. What is your favorite stadium entrance? Clock's ticking. Uh, also, anything not Imagine Dragons. Okay, wrong. It's a, a stadium. So you had to name like an actual university. It was Clemson uh, or LSU. We've already uh, done that next, before, Pre-game though. meal. Pre-game meal. I'm going to go with uh, PB&J on wheat. Why did you say it like that? What There's is an H in there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> the answer was pasta, and I'm so disappointed in you. What is your favorite pregame movie to get you pumped up? I'm a big, big Rudy guy. Whatever. He was offsides. I, I, I could still watch that. Rudy actually plays. Rudy or 300, I like that. Best pregame speech you've ever heard? The, the Rudy, the, the speech from Rudy, the uh, win one for the Gipper, right? No, no absolutely not. And also that awkward clap at the end where he's like... No, absolutely not. The answer was Bill Paxton, Bill Pullman, whatever, right before Independence Day when they went to go attack the aliens. And your last but not least question, Corso, the best pick best helmet head ever. Oh, best helmet head ever. Uh, I love the James Madison one that he did uh, <sighs> a couple years ago where he wore the wig and everything. And... Oh, it's when he brought the puppy from, he brought actual Ugg on stage. But guess what, Connor? You actually <sighs> got four out of the nine right, which means... 169 points. What? You, my friend, we're going into the 2018 season on fire, ready to go. Uncle Chris 2-0. Connor, you're 1-0 in, uh, in Family Feud in season. Let's do this. Y'all can't see season. my face. You can't see my face right now, but I'm, I'm smiling. You're glowing. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm glowing. Let's, let's close things out with, and it might mean too much, and you have this, it might mean too much for once. So tell us about this. 
this idea that you concocted that you might have tricked the entire internet into thinking it was real. <laughs> so I came up with something uh, a couple months ago I really wanted to carry out, and it, I hate fall weddings with a passion. I mean, just absolutely hate them. If, I'm try if I had to miss college football that I only get 13 precious Saturdays a, a, a year to watch the prequel to Your Inevitable Divorce with the way those rates are this year, I mean, I, I don't like it. It's not for me. I'm not going to be going to your fall wedding. So that being said, I decided to make my own save the date. Because there's just nothing worse than getting one of those, like, some idiot that I went to college with, with his, you know, either high school sweetheart or whoever the last girl he took to formal uh, as, like, a sig app, sitting in a seated prom pose on some train tracks or in front of a barn or something stupid. Uh, yeah, so I had to go ahead and make my own fake save the date. And I, um, I took my girlfriend to Piedmont Park here in Atlanta and uh, fake proposed with a football and instead of a ring, which she didn't really appreciate at all. And, and um, a lot of congratulations on me actually getting, uh, actually getting engaged. But as people know, like, I can barely take care of myself. I cannot be responsible for another person right now. So, so It we, looks very real. If you haven't seen it yet, you need to get over to the SDS Twitter account. Look at this picture because when you texted this to me on Saturday, I was like, yeah. <laughs> wait, what? Like, You're like, are you making an announcement That's here? awesome, dude. Congrats. Good. I was like, it's cool. not real. Um, yeah, go to the SDS Twitter. Go to the Facebook uh, or Instagram account. Um, give it a like. Give it a share because it, it's some of my best work. Shout out to Wes Bronner, a good buddy of mine, who actually took the pictures and made them look legit. Like They, they oh, look. It looks real. Yeah. When and if I do propose, or if and when, um, it that we might just use those. So just copy and paste. Just delete some yeah. of the text, and I think you're good. In this economy, there's no reason to spend more money on that. So it's like, yeah, that's Photoshop a ring instead of the football, <laughs> or just keep the football. Really, either way, you're good. Yeah. I think. So no, but it was it was uh, it was pretty good stuff, and then um, I think most people got it. Some some people were a little bit like offended, like, well, just if it's your real best friend, it's like your family. Like that's more than a game. Like no, it's not. You met my family, no chance. As someone who had a fall wedding on the opening weekend of college football two Leave years ago, I'm Connor. pleased. I'm pleased to know that was before we were ever friends. So it's okay. <laughs> I was allowed to do it. It's perfectly fine. And whatever, we got to watch. We got to watch a bunch of games at the bar because I had a Sunday wedding. So at least I did that for everybody else. We so, were able to watch the Saturday night games. I remember watching uh, LSU Wisconsin. Uh, shout out Kilroy's and Knicks. We were there um, in Bloomington. It was a good time. It was great. I Should will say, I have one of my good buddies from college is getting married to, to a, a Bama fan um, the weekend of LSU-Bama. And I, I asked him last year, I was like, you know the first question I'm going to ask after I say congratulations? And he was like, yeah, it's during a Bama game. This is like as he's sending me pictures of the proposal. And I was like, that's awesome. You know the first question I'm going to ask. And he's like, it's, it's don't worry, it's during an away game. And I was like, not nah, what I asked, what away game? He's like, LSU. So then I was like, all right, well, maybe it's at least like during the day. It's always a nighttime game. No, it's going to be at 7 p.m. It's a Catholic wedding, which takes like an hour and a half, and then you have the reception. So sorry, Corey, probably not be going to that. Um, but my favorite part of doing these pictures is a true story. Um, we're in Piedmont Park, ran into three separate actual weddings. We had, to, we had to like vacate where we were taking the pictures because a girl who literally had just gotten married, she's in her actual like gown, like she's dressed as the bride, has to take her, her post-ceremony pictures. And I was like, oh, sorry, yeah, let me dust off my knee. Uh, these aren't real pictures. Ran into three separate brides, and one of them actually um, said, she's a big Ole Miss fan, Audrey Rogers, and she said, yeah, that's awesome. We had to get married this weekend because, quote, you sweat your blank off in August, but no one gets married in the fall. 
the fall is for football. So wow. kudos to you, Audrey Rogers. She probably retweeted that then. I would, I would assume yeah. nothing less. We had uh, we had some great, awesome, awesome, awesome five-star abuse. They are so good. I know we say that every single week, but we have four new ones coming in, and they are they're fantastic. These are the type of things that we absolutely love. We cannot get enough of these. Thank you to anyone who has ever sent us a five-star review, and maybe you just create another iTunes account and send us another one, whatever. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, so the first one we got is from Jay Dunlap 89 subject hilarious, but dangerous. <laughs> That's my middle name. y'all. <laughs> Love the podcast. The guys have great chemistry and their takes are insightful. Chris's one liners and impressions are hilarious. And as a Bama alum, he's not part of the 85%. Um, <laughs> I appreciate the constant shots at Tennessee and LSU. I think we think. Fair, I thought I'd take shots wait, I, yeah, I thought I've gotten off those a little bit. Fair, shots everyone. Uh, fair warning, though, I usually listen at the gym, and that can be dangerous. I've almost dropped a weight on my hand on my head more than once while laughing hysterically. Still worth it. Wow. That's Go right. through concussion protocol if that happens, and yeah. we uh, we're sorry. Send the bill to us. We'll send uh, it to no, someone else. Send the bill to Connor. I'm, just, I'm not. I'm not about that. No, life. just just send the bill to me so I can use it for it might mean too much. That's <laughs> no, all I'm like that. That's true. Uh, I'll read the next one, uh, which is one of the greatest names ever. Bo Wallace is my hero. All one word. All one word. Um, horse lover girl. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Bo Wallace is my hero. Uh, the title of the review is Waffle House of Podcasts. This is the Waffle House of Podcasts. It's actually so good that if you listen to it inside a Waffle House, you forget that Waffle House always seems to have their, the air on 44 degrees. I've actually gotten a six-pack just from listening to it and eating Waffle House. That is one of the greatest things. Oh, that that sentence alone should win a Pulitzer. That was beautiful. Is that James that Joyce? Four, four of those like twenty-eight words were Waffle, Waffle House. House. <laughs> yeah. Bo, I never thought like when I saw Bo Wallace as my hero, I was like, well, not gonna read that. It was beautiful. It was absolutely hey, beautiful. That was wonderful. This is a good one too. Uh, this is from Trevor CPA. Sick brag. Uh, subject: Super SEC Insight. Loved the interview with Dave Hooker about Tennessee's magical 1998 season. Man, I have some great memories from back then, and some I can't remember. Ooh, <laughs> what? A, he was, Heard he that, brother. Been drunk. Uh, looking forward to the SEC preview. Well, you already got the SEC yeah. preview yeah, now, you so did. Con- congratulations. Uh, hoping the Vols will get back to great sometime soon. Do not hold your breath in 2018, but it, it, it'll, it'll get better. So, But congrats Trevor on CPA. being the only person named Trevor that's a CPA. That's awesome, dude. I don't have any really Trevor cool. CPAs. Good for you. He's, He's like a Josh or a Terry. Oh, you know Terry. Um, I'm not going to hate on Terry at all. No, that, uh, thank you for that, Trevor. We appreciate that. Okay, uh, I'll read the last one. It's by C-Drum, and it says, A good one! Exclamation point. Five stars. Great show. Very funny. Not thrilled about Connor's attitude towards Florida. The coach O voice is perfect. I the the thing I read here most and I just started dying laughing was not thrilled about Connor's attitude. <laughs> First of all, didn't spell my name right, so it might not have been talking about me. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. So we we, we I can't don't tell know. you how many all, times my girlfriend has said the same thing though when listening back to the pod. Not thrilled about Connor's attitude here. Yeah, Connor's attitude was was not great here. Sometimes I, I he gets hangry if he doesn't get that PB and J on wheat. Yeah, I am basically, I'm a walking Snickers commercial when it comes to that. So as, as we found out at SEC Media Days, really, really appreciate those five-star reviews. Keep sending those in. We love them. We love reading them. We love the ego boost, all of that stuff. 
keep watching Facebook Live. It is really taking off. Those are still going to be every Monday night during the season. Is that correct? Every Monday night at 7 o'clock, we will be adding one that's strictly about gambling every Saturday morning between 8 to 10 a.m. Depends on what time I wake up. Um, nice. Yeah, so we'll see. Keep stay tuned for that, uh, and then make sure you check out your article every Friday. It might it, it might mean too much. Oh, thanks, man. Of thanks. course, man. I love it, man. I look forward to it every week. So thanks, it's fun. I got to figure out what I'm doing this week. Send those in. I, I need more and more of those. I love those. those I stories. imagine with the season we'll probably get some good ones too. Oh, I'm gosh. I'm really excited for that weekly installment. It's going to be fantastic. We are here. It is game week. Follow us on Instagram at Saturday Down South. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod at C Marler SDS at CJ O'Gara. Guys, oh, we, yeah. we are here. We are here. It is happening. Woo! Remember though. Remember the one most important thing. It might mean too much. There you go. We Amen, are seasoned and game ready. We will see you on Thursday, y'all. Thanks, guys. <laughs>